How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again. Another episode of Hot Takes TV3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming at you all today on Monday, April 22nd, 2019. I am joined via Skype once again by Brett Baker. Brett, tell the people what we're about to do. Oh, man, we're about to have a great one. It is Earth Day, uh, so we're going to, you know, take on the best thing on Earth, sports, which we have a lot to talk about. We have the NFL draft coming up. We have the first round of the playoffs kind of wrapping up, maybe not wrapping up, but taking shape. We kind of understand what's going on. I guess we can lead that. That's a good segue into our first topic, our first headline. OKC, the big names, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are now down 3-1 against the Trailblazers. And it's been a fun series to watch. And I'm a little bit sad that it's not looking like it's going to go down to seven unless they come back, you know. But it's been fun. Dame versus Russ rivalry is full full effect, full sprint. It's been a wild show. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, Damian Lillard really just kind of put he you know, he kind of played this series with the chip on his shoulder. I know I've talked about it a lot with him, but everybody thinks Russell Westbrook's better than him. Russell Westbrook's rocking the baby, doing all the kinds of stuff in his face, trying to talk a little smack to him. But Dame's not been having any of it. He absolutely, he basically ended their their season last game. I mean, it was a four point game. He comes down, pulls up from deep three possessions in a row quickly. It's a 15, 14 point game, and the game's virtually over from there. I mean, Lillard is led the league this season in third quarter scoring. And he showed you why at 15 points last night. They completely shut him down in the first half. He didn't even score till like the very end of the first half. And I mean, it showed you that Dame doesn't have to score, just score to win the game. And I mean, he, the Thunder couldn't have defended him or played him any better and they still couldn't win at home. And I think ultimately what ruined the Thunder season is Paul George's shoulder. I mean, well, they clearly lack, they lack shooters, you know, like, I mean, they did hit 15 threes last night. You would think they'd win hitting 15 threes last night, but I mean, they lack the shooting and, and Paul George, I mean, he, yeah, he had, what 32 points last night but eight for 21 is not going to get the job done well i mean at the end of the day a lot of people are going to put this on russell westbrook for his poor shooting but let's face it he's not a volume shooter uh he's kind of works best when his team is playing really well and even paul george's shoulders healthy i still don't think he makes a big enough difference i think that they need a third guy kind of able to shoot a three even doesn't have to be a superstar it just doesn't have to be you know they've just wanted to go with this wing defender for the longest time but you need somebody that can hit a three and i don't think ferguson's the option there i don't think that i mean they've had cephalosha there at times in their like run here of two years with uh, paul george and russell westbrook and i just don't think that's the that's not the option i think that they uh Obviously, we don't want to look forward to the offseason because their series isn't over yet, but they definitely need to look into signing a wing guy that can shoot the three. And it's quite obvious that this OKC, uh, I guess, scheme is just not going to work out, especially when, you know, somebody that doesn't even have a healthy shoulder has to shoulder a lot of the offensive load. And then Russell Westbrook is left to do. You know what he does. Nobody, You can say what you will about Russell Westbrook, but he plays very hard every single game. I mean, you don't do you don't average a triple-double without absolutely putting the best effort possible forward. So I'm not going to you know blame either of them too much. I think that OKC just needs to go back to the drawing board. Um, I don't even think it's that. I just think that really Paul George's shoulder being hurt is – I think that's like a more so what it is because when Paul George is putting up MVP-esque numbers, this team was basically unbeatable. They were the second seed in the West, third seed in the West when that, that was happening. Now Paul George's shoulders hurt. I mean they've clearly fallen off with that. I think that it's his shoulder being hurt that has clearly affected their play. I mean they even played well at the beginning of the season without Russell Westbrook in there and for that reason. I just think Paul George needs to have shoulder surgery. I don't think the Thunder need to blow it up or do anything major like that. I mean yeah, Russell Westbrook's record I've been seeing it all day today his record without KD in the playoffs and all that stuff I mean we're going to sit there and see that stat all day but at the end of the day I don't really think it matters I mean 
I think he can still get the job done in the playoffs. And I think the Thunder, I mean, this series is over for the Thunder, though. This is embarrassing. This is a series they should have won. This is a series I picked them to win. I mean, I thought even still down 2-0, they would. And honestly, this series has kind of been a testament to Damian Lillard and how hard he plays and the way he plays. You know, everybody counted him out, doubted him once That's again. They got swept last too. year. They said they needed to blow it up. Yeah, I mean, that is huge. I mean, a lot of people, you think of the Blazers as a run and gun, shoot a lot, score a lot of points, high scoring game team. But no, nah, they've been shutting him down. And, Alfred Camino has been a guy who's been playing really, really well for them. I mean, Aminu had 19 points last night. He's kind of balled out here in all these games in this series. In this series, he's um, – he scored, I mean, not great points, but what he's doing at the defensive end, getting a lot of rebounds. I mean, he had nine rebounds last night, night before, and seven in the other game. So, I mean, Aminu and just the other guys are clearly giving them what they need. So, I think that just the contributions they're getting from guys like him and Cantor of what helped this team. It's been next man up kind of for them, and that's just the way they played this whole series. For sure. And the last thing I am going to say, I'm really en- I've really enjoyed, regardless of the series outcome, I've really enjoyed the, uh, I guess – the rivalry that's just been so heated between Dame and Russ. And honestly, these teams don't seem to really like each other all that much on the court. So it has been fun. But to move on from the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers series, let's move on to the Nuggets. And I think this one was (laughs) – we both kind of said the same thing about how um, the Nuggets definitely needed to work with their lineup a little bit. And – Happened exactly like that. Uh, you actually, yeah, they went with the exact lineup. Yeah. I said they put Tory Craig in, sent Will Barton to the bench. I couldn't believe it. And Barton played the fewest minutes out of their like three, their eight players. You know that really get the bulk of their minutes. He played the least amount. I think he was only playing for fourteen minutes or twelve minutes, maybe. And that was the first win since two thousand twelve. I mean, fourteen straight wins by the Spurs at home against the Nuggets. That isn't unheard of little run of success so it definitely was coming for the Nuggets I'm actually not sure you seem to be pretty sure that the Nuggets were going to lose this series but with a lineup change they definitely looked a lot different and a lot more dangerous when playing the Spurs so I don't this is one of those 50-50 series I don't really think that there is a uh, correct pick in terms of who's the favorite right now but I think that it could go either way and it just depends on uh, the play from you know, those three guys that have kind of been on the either on the bench or starting in terms of Will Barton. And it, it, I think it really depends on, uh, you know, the Nuggets depth and if they can actually uh, keep that success going on the bench. No, absolutely. I mean, Barton's played horrible in all the games this series. I mean, he had four points and three points in game uh, in the middle two games of the series, games two and three. I mean, like you said, it's kind of tough to predict who's going predict, to predict who will win this series. But ultimately, I think you got to lean San Antonio here. I mean, the experience with DeRozan and Aldridge in the playoffs on their size. On on top of that, other things that are on their side. I mean, they have Greg freaking Popovich. I mean, no guys coached in bigger games. One, I mean, I'm I'm fair. Yeah, I, Popovich does. I'm pretty sure Popovich has the most championships of any active coach in the league. You know, so I mean, Popovich is he's the most seasoned vet out of all these. And I feel like in a tight series like that, going into a game seven, you got to go lean Greg Popovich's way and go his way. Now, I will say this, though, against the Clippers a couple years ago, and Chris Paul hit that buzzer beater. You kind of felt the same way in the first round, but didn't quite happen like that. I mean, obviously, Denver does have home home court on their side. I don't know how much it matters. I mean, I think these teams, I think the next two games will definitely split. I think. We, do you think we'll go seven in the series? I'm gonna say this is a this is the only series that goes seven in the first round. Is that a hot? Take? Okay, I like that. Is that a hot take? No. Uh, I agree with you there. I think this will be the only se- series that goes seven. I mean, like you said, I think getting Barton on the bench and changing those lineups up really helped. Plus, I feel like Barton's a guy who's better. I mean, the, you kind of think about the Nuggets lineup; they start three guards and two forwards because I mean, Millsap and Jokic aren't like. I mean, yeah, yeah, Jokic is a center, but he's not your traditional, you know, just straight back to the basket kind of center. What you think of as your center rim protector and stuff like that. So, I think it gave them a better angle, giving them a guy like Tory Craig, better defender, better spot. And that's, shooter, and you know. That is what I've liked about the Nuggets as far as, you know, their depth is something that has, you know, helped them all throughout the season. I think that even if they do advance, you might see Will Barton sneak back into the starting lineup. I think that they have to, uh, it's going to be a learning process for them. And I think that they need to, uh, you know, slowly get to the point where 
they know exactly how to move and manage their roster to match up with a certain team. And I think that they're doing that right now. So yeah, and I mean, it's a regular season compared to the playoffs. By the way, I wish you could have seen this play Giannis just had. He acts like he was in a dunk, it got fouled, and just flipped it up and in. It was unreal, but that's off topic. But anyway, back on topic. Um, I feel like also with the playoffs, you know, you kind of you play each other so many times in a series that each team is going to make adjustments, you know, make the other team play another way. So you got to change up and you adjust your lineup throughout. You know, in the regular season, you kind of use the same starting lineup typically game to game. Unless somebody's hurt, you're going to go with the same starters. The playoffs, it's different. You got to go with hot hands. You got to go based off matchups. You know, every team's going to try to adjust a different way to make the other team adjust differently. That's the biggest thing in the playoffs is how can you change up your game plan without losing your identity of a basketball team each game to throw the other team off and make them uncomfortable. It's very rare, except for like these very overmatched, um, except for like those very, you know, those very overmatched series where one team's extremely overmatched the other team. I feel like that's really the only time you can just keep using the same game plan and just keep pounding it on them if, if you're that much better than them so I feel like and this one is all about who can change who can adapt and I feel like Popovich can do that I mean Aldridge didn't play at all in the fourth quarter in that game in that game he said he didn't feel like Aldridge the way he was playing could handle in that game which I thought was a stupid move personally because they got busted in the second half and you know, they only got outscored by two in the fourth quarter but still that third quarter is where they got killed 30 they got outscored 37 move. 25 oh huge Popovich it's like the move. most Popovich move I've ever heard but for the sake of time, we don't want to run over an hour like we did last time. If you get me and Thomas in a room talking about basketball, especially playoff basketball, we will probably talk <laughs> at least until the clock strikes the next hour. And we're going to move forward. Just we're going to try to keep it paced a little bit more than we did last time. But hey. Yeah, that's what, that's why we need our stat guy, man, to keep yeah, us to moving. Keep us like, line, all right, man. y'all shut up. You made your point. Yeah, but keep it moving. We'll talk. We'll trans, transition here more to the NFL and NFL draft here. Kyler Murray, obviously. I mean, what are you thinking here, Brett? Will he go number one? And if not, how far do you see him falling? So I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury really does want to draft him number one, but I don't think he does go with him as the number one pick. And I I really thought he was. Uh, News broke earlier today or yesterday, one of the two, that the Cardinals were most likely going to pass on Kyler Murray. And if they do pass, I don't see him getting out of the top five. But I'm not exactly sure if that's the way the Cardinals should, you know, go with this. Uh, I mean, as far as the Cardinals go – if, what does that tell Josh Rosen, you know, like if you had said all this time that the rumor was that y'all were going to go with Kyler Murray and you don't go number one right now, I don't think it affects Josh Rosen in terms of, uh, I mean, it might put a chip on his shoulder and he might play better, but I mean, it, it just seems like a weird, weird way to go into an offseason. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um... It definitely does kind of – I feel like that it definitely does kind of tell Josh Rosen that, look, just because you're a rookie quarterback, you didn't have a great first season, that that doesn't mean that you're safe. You know, I feel like yeah. that's more so what it kind of is. And like you said, light a fire under him, hopefully make him play a little bit better. Uh I th- I I mean I'm obviously I think that what came out is every everything I've seen seems pretty confident that the that the Arizona will pass on Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. which I personally think I mean look I think Kyler Murray will be a better pro quarterback than Josh Rosen, but I think it's the right move because of the reasons they hired Kingsbury. But I've said that a thousand times, so I'd say Rosen. I mean I say Kyler Murray does not fall out of the top ten. I think he stays in the top ten. I think what will end up happening is look, you can make one argument that teams like the Bengals, Dolphins. Dolphins, Giants, Broncos, Redskins. Those are the teams, in my opinion, that need quarterbacks. And you could make an argument that none of those teams are going to want to trade up because they think that they can get the quarterback they want later on. Well, I got news for y'all. Somebody's going to trade up and take one of these quarterbacks, whether it's Haskins or Murray first. And I think after what happens with one of them, that another one team will trade up and take the other one. I look for a team like the Redskins here or the Broncos. I think that they're the team most likely, or the Dolphins. I think those are the three most likely teams to trade up and make a move. I mean, Bengals are a good spot to do it too but I could also see the Giants you know deciding to part ways with their pick and then being the team that lets the team trade up because they have other first round picks you know so well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens but I think a trade will happen and Kyler Murray or Haskins will get, come off the board via trade in the in the top 10 and I can definitely see that and as far as the uh, as far as the San Francisco 49ers are involved I think that they're the one team that I feel like are going to stick with that two pick because they don't really have that many things to fill i think that unless they can package two first rounders for that two pick 
maybe, but I do think they like Nick Bosa. Besides that, I mean, the whole entire top 10, these teams could use a quarterback minus the Jets and the Jaguars. I mean, as far as, I mean, of course, the Lions have Matthew Stafford, but as far as anybody in the top 10 goes, with maybe exception of four teams, five teams, I think half of the half of that top ten could draft a quarterback, and uh, I don't really know exactly if uh, he'll fall out of that top five, but I just feel like he's somebody's going to trade up to get him. See, I think the Giants and the Dolphins are the only two teams that are in the top ten that will end up that like actually need a quarterback by by needs. I just think that those top guys up there are so stacked up. You know, those defensive guys that I think that those top three, four teams. Even though I don't see the Raiders trading to acquire more picks at this point. I mean, what's more first round picks in in the future? Actually, I could see them maybe wanting future first, but I feel like the Raiders are going to want to get themselves that stud pass rusher. You know, they need that, and that's there. If I were the top four teams, I think these defensive guys are so good these defensive linemen and and edge rushers it's tough yeah yeah like you have to use your top four pick on one of those guys but I mean I think that ultimately that we'll see Kyler and I think that Kyler and Haskins will be the only two quarterbacks drafted in the first round I mean do you agree with that or do you think we'll see a guy like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones go late Um, in the first I'm torn kind of between three quarter saying I I could see Drew Locke getting picked uh kind of like a Kind of like a situation in which you've seen other quarterbacks, you know, like, like obviously, like, you know, that late first round pick like Menzel or Paxton Lynch, somebody mm-hmm. like that. I f- maybe you could see somebody reaching for him as a quarterback like that. But safely, Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray are definitely going to be in the first round. I feel like uh, I feel like there are two hypes and two ever talked about to even think about sliding out of the first round. But there are a lot of teams that could possibly maybe not need a quarterback, but want a quarterback, if that makes sense. I could even see, as crazy as it sounds, just because I know who John Elway is, I could even see the Broncos trying something for Kyler Murray. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it will, it's just I, it's hard to say, really. We'll see. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, this entire Thursday because it's like, this is a draft that I feel like has been hard to predict for a lot of people. And if, I mean, it just is kind of like a, uh, I guess it's cause it's so talented with a lot of positions mm-hmm. that are needed by a lot of teams. It becomes hard to kind of uh, pick and choose which team is going to do what. And I feel like this is going to see a lot of, maybe a lot of trades, a lot of uh, kind of shocking picks, but I mean, we can get in We'll get into this a little bit later, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. No, I agree with you completely. I think that I mean, I if if another quarterback goes in the draft, it would be via trading up. I don't think that I think those teams value those high up picks too high to take a guy like mm-hmm. Jones or Locke with you know with one of those top fifteen picks. But yeah. we'll move on from that. We'll get to the power play here. I'll time us once again, Brad. I'll try to motion you through the camera when we're getting close and whatnot. All right, so you want to start or you want me to start? Um, let's see here. This is a lot of stuff to do. Okay, uh, you can start. Go for it. All right, John Morant over Zion Williamson for the Suns. Uh, news broke that the Suns prefer John Morant over Zion. Uh, what are your thoughts, Thomas? You only got 30 seconds. Uh, I'm pulling up my stopwatch now, and boom. Um, I think there's a reason why the Suns have been bad for so long. I mean, look, I... I think that John ja Morant would fit well for them. They need someone to help them move the ball and to get their offense kind of moving as they don't have that guy. But if you can pair DeAndre Ayton and Zion together, ultimately, I think that would be a very unstoppable force in the middle. And I think that he could be that star to pair with Devin Booker. Ja, I think, will be great. I've seen some stats against Zion as a first pick, like that he only averages six points per game on non-fast breaks. But I would go Zion over Ja any day of the week. Okay. All right. Mine. You're in you're up. You're at, you're at the plate. You got it. You hit the pitch to you here is Harper or Acuna for the next 10 years, and go. Listen, you can talk all you want about stats, and they're easily comparable when it comes to Acuna and Harper, and they're both kind of similar players in terms of what they produce and what they bring to the table, but 
Here's the thing, I'm picking Acuna because it seems like he cares more about baseball than being a celebrity. And I think that is a huge, that's a huge process in terms of picking your superstar for 10 years. I'm going Acuna any day of the year, any day of the week. Acuna, man, easy. Also, part that has to do with that is the fact that he doesn't really speak English, so kind of hurts his celeb status there a little bit. But still going to be. Move to next question. Yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're right there. The All right, chains, next bro. question. He's got the chains. He does. He got the ice dripping. Yeah, for sure. All right, so the next one we got up on our power play is who is going to hit more home runs? I like this one a lot. Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich? Alright, so I'm going to go with Christian Yelich here. I know it's very close right now. I don't remember what the exact number is, but I think they're like one home run apart. Uh, Bellinger actually robbed Yelich on Sunday of a home run, or else he would have had another one, believe it or not, and then turn around and hit the go-ahead. But I think Yelich is going to lead, and I think Yelich is going to hit like 56 bombs this year, and I think that Bellinger will be right behind him with like 53. So I think it's going to be like by two or three home runs, but I can see Yelich going for a triple crown again. I got Christian Yelich, best hitter in baseball right now. One more thing to add on. All right. I feel like Bellinger is more likely to go through a slump when Yelich is just going to continue to do the same thing all year. Mm-hmm. But we'll go forward. That is, I, I do like that take right there. That's a good take for that. Um, all right. We'll stay with baseball here. The team is on fire right now. The Tampa Bay Rays are leading the AL East currently. You think they can keep this up? Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going to keep it pretty short. I feel like if injuries still become a problem for the Red Sox and the Yankees, yes, they are a very young team, but young teams struggle to win their divisions. We saw with the Braves last year, that was kind of a shocker, even though with the Braves, though, it was different because everybody was young in that division. With the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're the most experienced teams in terms of, you know, well, more so the Red Sox experience in the uh, playoffs. I feel like the Red Sox are going to come up from behind and they've already struggled mightily this season they've already got the slump out of the way Tampa Bay love them to death but no yeah um I think that I think like you said one of these teams is bound to catch fire between the Yankees and the Red Sox I think Tampa Bay still makes the playoffs though I can see them all right not the division that's tough the next one we got for Thomas 30 seconds on the clock is after this question is finished can the Mariners keep this play up and make the playoffs a lot like the Tampa Bay Rays? Go for it. Um, I don't think that they can win the division, but I think the Rays can make the playoffs. You know, I think either the Red Sox or the Yankees want I me. Mean, they're obviously both going to find it, but the real question is, can Tampa Bay or the Mariners be up that big? Because, I mean, the Astros, I believe, are tied right now with the Mariners for the top spot in the division. I could see one of the Red Sox or the Yankees missing the playoffs. I mean, if we've learned anything in sports, not everything goes the way as planned. I could easily see it happening like that, but it seems too cut and dry in the AL. Mariners got a guy, Mitch Hanniger, who can win MVP. I think the Mariners can make the playoffs. All right. All right. This last question is for both of us. Brett, I'll let you go first. Um, will a team come back that's currently down 3-1? And regardless of if you think a team or not, just give us whichever team you think is the best chance to go. Okay. Um, yeah, the Jazz are going to come back 3. I'm just kidding. Um, if a team is going to do it, it's obviously going to be the Thunder. I feel like they have the best chance. Uh, it's not to say that they have a chance, but they do have the best chance, I feel like, just with the talent on the floor. They have Russell Westbrook. They do have an injured, slightly injured Paul George, but I think he's uh, healthy enough to still get buckets. I'm going to go with that's the Thunder being having the best shot. Okay, I like that take. I like that take there. Um, I'm on the clock, and I'm going to agree with you here and say no, no team can make a comeback. I mean, obviously, the Thunder is the best choice here, but I'm actually going to go with the Pit. I'm kidding. I'm not going with the Pistons. I'm going to go with the. Uh, I'm going to go with the Nets here. I mean, the Nets can shoot it from deep. Y'all know that I love watching D'Lo and the guys play. I mean, they got buckets. On, unfortunately, they barely fell short though on Saturday. So I'm going to say the Nets can get hot from three these next three games, and they can outshoot the 76ers and end up pulling off this upset and come back if the team were to. And, and like I said, that, that matchup for the Nets is just so tough. And it sucks, mm-hmm. but it is such a tough matchup. And it, it's tough for one, but it is what it is. 
Yeah, I mean, it, the emergence of Embiid actually, Embiid actually like playing again is really what changed the whole series up. But we'll move on from there now. Let's get back to the NFL draft where we're going to finish up the show talking more NFL draft. Trust me, guys, still lots of stuff coming though in the NFL draft. And we, we will let y'all out of here for at least 30 minutes, but let's get down to it. So, all right, Brett. So I think this is personally the weakest draft that I've seen yet at like the offensive weapon position, just in the fact that not that I don't think there's good guys out there. I just feel like that there's no, you know, like, AJ Green, Saquon Barkley, just like, you know, like that can't miss like wide receiver running back that you want to take in the top 10 in this draft. Who do you think will be the first offensive weapon taken off the board? And do you think that there will be multiple in the top 10? Hmm. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray still. I'm still pretty high up. Well, the, well outside, outside of quarterbacks, outside, outside of quarterbacks. quarterbacks, outside of quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. Skill positions. No, I don't think yeah, anybody's so going in the top 10. I think that a tight end gets drafted right outside the top 10. Uh, if okay. he does get drafted, I think it's going to be nine or ten. I don't think it's going to go. You know, a skill position player is not going to get drafted before the ninth pick. I don't feel like. I feel like, as far as these teams up there go, they either need a quarterback or help on the defensive end, or maybe even an offensive lineman. I don't think that anybody is going to draft a wide receiver this year because a lot of the times with these, uh, you know, wide receiver type picks. It's uh-huh. usually, or, you know, even running backs, it's usually because, you know, a team struggled with injuries the year before and somehow found them found themselves in the top 10 and they needed somebody to fill a gap. And we've seen that with a, quite a few occasions. I mean, it seems like at least uh, that's kind of how the Giants got Saquon because before that year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that the Giants were pretty, like, they seem to be a favorite to win the division. They had a really good offense uh, in terms of their receivers. Everybody thought Eli Manning was not Eli Manning for some reason. Don't know why. But they got Saquon out of it. And this year, it doesn't seem like one. Like you said, there's not a player like Saquon or, you know, somebody like that. And two, there's not really a need for that in this draft, especially if you have to reach. Yeah, um, you know, I I just don't think there's one that's really worthy of going that high up in the top 10. I think that, though, the pick that makes the most sense to me is the Jaguars taking one of TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, the two Iowa tight ends. Personally, I lean a little bit more towards Hawkinson because he's – I've heard people call him the most complete tight end we've seen since Gronk, which is pretty darn good. I mean, we all know how Iowa can turn out these tight ends to the league and whatnot. So I feel like that Hawkinson will go – right there the Jags I mean if you remember they have a I can't DeFilippo I believe is their offensive coordinator now in Jacksonville you know they got Nick Foles down there and a big part of Philly's offense is hitting those guys like Goddard and Ertz so I feel like they want to get him that kind of you know that versatile tight end it's a mismatch nightmare for safeties and you know he's too big for safeties too fast for linebackers that's kind of tight end they need to get in there and that's why I think they'll go after a guy like Fanner Hawkinson right there and with what's that seven crazy pick. What's the craziest part about this first round is that there is a lot of talent out there, but genuinely, this is a genuine take. I'm, it's not even trying to be like, a, you know, like a bold prediction or anything. I could see this first round going through without a running back getting drafted. And that is absolutely insane to me. I think that that might actually happen. I think that we're probably going to see two tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good draft for tight ends. Uh, but I think that we're probably going to see two tight ends drafted in the first round and maybe one receiver and somebody like Marquise Brown or somebody like that. Maybe somebody just got absolutely wowed by the uh, the combine stats on, for some reason, his name is not coming to me right now. But Ole Miss receiver blew up the combine. Oh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, yeah. And I, I think that... I don't think obviously he's going to go first round. If it does, it's going to be like somebody raided him, uh, just got wowed by his speed and everything, all his attributes. But it's crazy to say that I don't. I genuinely don't think that there will be a running back. If if anything, maybe one running back taken in the top top round. It's pretty. It's a pretty weird looking draft for sure, and it'll probably be Abs- about six seventy percent defense. <laughs> 
Yeah, from what I've seen for the most part for projection stuff, it looks more like a defensive draft. I just feel like the Raiders having that 27 and 24 pick, you know, the Colts picking at 26, the um, the Chiefs at 29. I could see one of those teams picking a running back if there's a running back that goes in the first round. I think it's Josh Jacobs, Josh and I think Jacobs, he yeah. will. Maybe even the Ravens at 22. I think one of these teams will end up taking a running back with that draft pick. So I would watch for that with one of those guy with the guy going there, you know. But I think that that'll probably one of the higher I think the first skill position player that we'll see out that's not a tight end that goes off the board is probably in Keel Harry from um, Arizona State I think he's the best wide receiver in the draft I mean mm-hmm. like I've said about Metcalf I mean I think Metcalf really has to be in the right system you know a system where the, the quarterback's good at hitting the guys for the deep ball and stuff like that because I mean I'm when you see a receiver with that kind of speed and stuff I mean there's definitely a lot of bust potential of you overhyping him and overstocking him. I mean Metcalf was third on Ole Miss's team last year in receiving yards so I mean that's still to me is a red flag yeah, it is, I definitely. think that if Metcalf you know, like I think if that Met, I, I think it's all there. You know, you look at Metcalf, everything looks it's all there. But I still just have some questions about him. I don't know if I, you know, like I wouldn't want to take the risk on a guy that high. I probably wouldn't draft Metcalf till middle of the second round. That's just me personally, and the and kind of guy I am. And I know it's not on our show notes or anything, but aside from wide receiver talk, is is it kind of uh, is it because this is a weaker draft in terms of you know running backs, or are running backs becoming more and more expendable? Is it? I just think it's a weaker draft, weaker draft. where there's not as many like stu- – you know, there's not like that yeah. three-down back I mean, who can just go out there and eat for you. But also on top of that, I feel like that if me just as a GM – yeah, I'd rather wait till like the second or third round to go get my running back, you know, and just get me kind of like a versatile, you know, if I if I'm an NFL team, I like to have have like a couple like maybe two, three different running backs and I'd probably like to pick them up in that 2 to 4 round range, you know. I feel like there's a lot of really 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 talented yeah. wide receivers and backs you can get in that range. For sure, and if you're a GM, you have to you have to at least notice the fact that there has been a lot of, you know, pro bowl level running backs that came out of nowhere. I mean, Philip Lindsay was undrafted last year. You had Kareem Hunt had a great season. He was a late third rounder, I believe. And Kamara. Kamara, third third rounder. Mm-hmm. Devontae I mean, Freeman, fourth rounder. I it's mean all over yeah. all the way across the board. When you look at, you know, depth charts across the NFL, you're seeing running backs that are starters and that produce like starters have, you know, numbers. Somewhere in the third round, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you completely. I mean, I just feel like that there's just so many good ones in these. I mean, there's just there's not like a, you know if there's not one that's like an like a Todd Gurley or like Julio Jones or something like that. Why reach? You know, when you can go get them later on in the draft. So that's what I think. But we'll stay here on the offensive weapons kind of talk. This is okay. fun. You know, your skill position guys. Um, let's all go through each of our top five offensive weapons. Um, I'll start here with my first guy. I would take off the board that I think will be taken off the board out of all my. I got T.J. Hawk. And so tied no in from Iowa. Though, right? Just yeah, yeah, no quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I got him as the first weapon off the board. Who? I mean, do you agree with that, or you got something different for me? Um, I'm gonna agree with it. I feel like there's two tight ends. However, uh, I do like I'm I'm more. It's pretty much I feel like almost uh, your prerogative, but I'm more of a Noah Fant type guy. He seems like he has you know everything that you would want in a tight end. Although he might not be as developed of a blocker, but I think that both of them are uh, really good tight ends. It feels weird to say that two tight ends will probably be drafted first in terms of position players, but that's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, it's become harder and harder to find, you know, tight ends that are, you know, full. They play the full game. They block. You know, they do things off the ball without getting it, and they can also catch and run routes really well, and I think both of them do that. So I I definitely agree with you in the tight end talk. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. This is the deepest tight end draft I've ever seen. Even the Alabama tight end, I can't think of his name right now. He's there's a little honorable mention in there too. He's just as good as all these other guys. Um, and Keel Harry, uh, wide receiver for Arizona State, I have as my second guy off the board. I think Harry's speed and just his ability, and he can do it all. I mean, have, I don't know if you've seen the play or not, but that catch he made falling on his back, I think that catch itself sums up the skills that this guy has as a receiver and what he can do. I and mean, you got somebody different here as your second or. 
Yeah, or, I'm gonna uh, go with uh, I'm gonna go with Marquise Brown. You knew I liked him coming in to today. Mm-hmm. I said I liked him a couple couple shows back. I think that he's a lot. He kind of reminds me a lot like uh, of a Deshaun Jackson type guy. He uh, can make a big dime. Difference. Love that. He's a, yeah, he's a deep guy. He can play on the outside or the slot. He's fast. He runs his routes well, and I think that he will be a good pickup for a team. You know, late first round, and I think that. I think that he's the real deal, and he also has the Brown name. I know Antonio Brown has been making a fool out of himself this offseason, but nonetheless, he's a good wide receiver. He has that kind of chip on his shoulder to where, you know, one family member is great. He has to do the same thing, so I feel like he would be the most successful wide receiver out of this bunch. And that's not to say there won't be a lot of successful wide receivers. I think he's just going to make the impact right out of the gate. Yeah, I I actually have him on here as fifth, but I mean, I agree with you. See, the th- my reasoning for liking Harry over him is Harry's almost as fast. He's just a lot bigger, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Brown's a beast. I mean, Brown's one of those guys. You throw him a screen pass, you this corner misses the tackle. He's like you're not going to see him again until he's in the end zone. And the play I always remember is I was watching. I think it was Oklahoma versus Baylor, and he they're like Marquise Brown's first in the NCAA in receiving yards. Doesn't have a catch today. Next play, you know, catches catches a screen pass, takes it eighty yards like that's he's the kind of guy you know can't change the game in one play and I mean I agree I really like Marquise Brown I mean I don't think you can go wrong taking him anywhere here in this draft I think he's a complete game changer I love that one I mean we saw what he did I mean he's kind of in that air raid style offense so that works well with him but I mean he's a guy too that I mean like I just said you can't miss a tackle on him or else you're not seeing him again until he's in the end zone and I'm also I'm also really glad that he is going you know probably going to end up going late first round because he's going to go to a team with a quarterback that will be able to, you know, utilize him. And uh, I think that it helps out. Kansas City or Green Bay would be a great pick or maybe even New England late in that first round, man. I would say that uh, the Eagles might actually get him. I know we talked about Deshaun Jackson. They do love Mm -hmm. how to do that when we saw, uh, you know, that was the greatest thing about watching Carson Wentz have that good season that year. Uh, I hate the Eagles, but Carson Wentz is very talented. He knows how to get people involved underneath above, or you know, on screens, deep routes, everything. And I think that that could actually he could actually really help the Eagles who are losing, you know, a little bit of they lost uh, Golden Tate, which I mean, he didn't have too big of an impact, but I think that he would be a good fit for the Eagles. Yeah, well, the Eagles actually got Djax back. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that or if you knew that or not. So, I mean, that'd be the great guy also to teach him and let him learn. But, yeah, I mean, the last thing the Eagles need is another offensive toy. I mean, I'm saying that, though, as a Falcons fan. Like, obviously, I think he'd be a great fit. I like that one there for that. Uh, Who you got at number three on your your, uh, board? This is such a weak draft. Um, I'm going to go with – I'm going to have to go with the first running back. Uh, We already talked about it. Going to have to go with Josh Jacobs. Uh, he kind of – he's a bruiser for sure. He's not going to, you know – I'm the same thing. Yeah, he's not going to be – well, I mean, there's only about five players in the top 50 that we can even pick from. I don't think he's yeah. going to be anything that's, you know, crazy, but he will be an extremely efficient goal line running back. I will say that much. And that's huge. Uh, you saw what that did to, you know, a lot of teams. There was some goal line stands that we saw in the playoffs that had a lasting impact. And I think that – even non-goal line stands that Patriots won against the Kansas City Chiefs with Sony Michelle toting the ball right into the end zone. And he did it all throughout the playoffs. I think having somebody that can convert those inside of five runs is huge. And I think Josh Jacobs uh, fills the ballot. Yeah, I mean, I think he's every down back. I think he can catch the ball. I think he can run it. I think he's probably the best all-around back in For this sure. draft. So. I mean, I agree with you completely. I think Jacob is the kind of guy we could go see go. In, I mean, I think he's like I said. I think he's like a high teens or or like to and then throughout just, gonna, the, just throughout the twenties. I'm kind just of gonna guy, say you know? I feel like he's gonna he's not gonna go a blow or well he's not gonna go anywhere inside the top twenty, but anywhere at or around that point. That's that's key for him. I could even see him slipping all the way down to the third round. I mean, I don't, I don't think he would. But teams are weird when it comes to drafting running backs. They are. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I mean, J- Jacobs, Jacobs is by far the best one. I actually saw it earlier on ESPN. He had a 25% chance to be a pro bowler. I think he resembles Mark Ingram a lot. I mean, the thing is, though, Barkley had like a 49% chance here as a rookie. So, I mean, that that just goes to speak, like we said earlier, about how weak of a draft it is from the skill position standpoint. Uh, number four, I have no offense. I mean, you already talked about fam, so we won't sit there and beat the dead horse once again. Uh, who you got it for? Four. I'm going to go, man. It is such a weak draft. And like you want to go like certain certain ways, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's tough sometimes. But I'm just going to go with another running back. Uh, I do like David Montgomery out of Iowa State. I feel like he has done, you know, we've we talked about it. Uh, he, he has an ideal like blend of, you know, size vision. And he, he's not going to, I don't think, Anybody's gonna wow you right out of the gate. I don't think anybody's gonna be like a, and we I obviously could be wrong, but I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. like a one hundred percent. This guy's gonna be a Pro Bowler type guy, and it's it's tough. And I mean, what do you do? You agree or disagree, or who you got at that four spot? Uh, I mean, I already had a fan at that four spot, but I like Montgomery. I think he's. He's, I think he'll be a second-round pick. I mean, I think he's a great running back, like you said. I mean, plays a chip on his shoulder. Love the way he runs the ball. Hard runner. My fifth pick was Marquise Brown. So, I mean, we have we already talked about Brown again. Who you got is your fifth? Um, I mean, I guess we can uh, just go th- – I mean, we have – I'm not going to say one person. I'm going to say some wide receivers that could possibly get drafted. Or, you know, that would be that number five spot. Uh, A.J. Brown okay. in Mississippi. Uh, he's Absolutely. big. You know, sturdy, nice goal line option. Uh, I think that he will be able to, you know, he's one of those guys that can catch it and take a hit, which is a nice thing to have. And I think that he's he's a big-time dude. And I think that uh, – or, well, he's a big dude, rather. I think that he would be a nice little pick right there. Also, uh, you have uh, Debu Sam, Debu Samuels uh, from mm-hmm. South Carolina who I don't – he has all the attributes, but he kind of worries me like T.K. Metcalf. Uh, sometimes you just kind of also couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Sometimes he just kind of disappeared with South Carolina and yeah, obviously he was healthy at, or unhealthy at times, but it's tough to say really who's going to, uh, really make that five spot and, or, you know, who's going to, who's going to be the most efficient player at the next level. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I also think I personally would rather have AJ Brown than, um, <laughs> Then DK Metcalf. I actually think DK Metcalf. I lean more towards the bust side. Bust side. My sleeper. I want to talk about one more time. I know I've, ta- I've talked about him many times. Darrell Henderson, running back from Memphis. Yeah. I think whoever snags him in that late second, early third round is going to get that. You know, like that Kareem Hunt type, Alvin Kamara type running back. I mean, there's a reason why this guy ran for almost 1,800 yards, had over 1,900 all-purpose yards last season. I mean, his just grades and everything showing how much better he got at catching and running the ball throughout his three years at college just crazy i think that whoever gets him is going to get that steal of the draft i definitely agree with you on the bust on dk metcalf i hate to say it because i loved his combine but i just don't think that his feel for the game hasn't developed as much as you'd like to see i mean to not to be number three on your team and receiving on a team that you know obviously wasn't that great uh i think that is definitely worrisome i think my sleeper pick is going to come out of in the form of paris campbell uh kind of like him for the similar reasons that you know i like marquise brown uh both are kind of fast guys that can get behind the safeties and he's also going to do a lot of work on the uh you know on little dump offs, screen plays, stuff like that. I think that he's got the speed and versatility to uh, kind of make a difference for a team. I don't think he's going to make a huge impact, but I do think that he can uh, really actually have a pretty good rookie season right there. Yeah, I mean, Metcalf, like we said, he's got to be in the right system. I just feel like if it's one of these teams that, you know, that doesn't ha- really have a great quarterback or a great offensive coordinator, you know, just not a great offense, I feel like if they – Metcalf would be better off going late in the first round than he would early in the second round, I think, because that means he's probably going to a team that was not in the playoffs last year and really doesn't have a good offense. But we'll move on from there. I mean, we could talk about this how things do all day. A, this is a sick question. You're messed up for this. Yeah, one, I knew you're gonna like this one. Um, who do you think your team's gonna draft? So I'll let you start with this one. Who the, who are the Cowboys taking, Brett? I don't, I don't have care, a first Thomas. round pick, unfortunately. I so care. I guess you got to go to the second round. I don't care. I mean, it's gonna be like the 60th <laughs> pick, so I don't. I don't care. 
Jeez, you don't you what you don't have a need or anything you really think you guys need that much? Do, you, do we have a position? Um maybe we, at times our offensive line if we get banked up, I would like to have some help, but I don't necessarily know if we can even really get that much help from that pick. We'll we'll see. I mean, there are people that are going to slide. You know who I think y'all should try to get. I think that we're you know, yeah, I think try that to we're going to try to go defense though. I think we're going to get some line on wow. help on the edge or maybe even a defensive tackle. Best available. Wow, I think y'all should try to get one of these wide receivers, playmaking receivers. You know, at the later part of the I draft, I think there'll still be some I value. I wanted to say there. that, but uh, because because we you know signed for Randall Cobb, I think that that showed me that they were going to go defense or you know maybe an offensive tackle. But I think they're going to go defense. I think we have a lot of issues. We talked about it. This offseason has been, I mean, we had a player retire strictly because of marijuana. We had a, another player get suspended again on the defensive tackle, uh, the defensive line. And I think that we really need to uh, – we need to bulk up that defensive line because we need to keep uh, we need to keep Demarcus Lawrence healthy. We don't need to overwork him or anything. And I think the best option for us is going to be on that defensive line. I think it needs some help. Okay. Um, in the second round, you know, on pick for the six. Falcons, there's a lot of different directions I could go in this, but I think I'm going to go back to the age old problem we've had in Atlanta. We were 22nd last year in sacking the quarterback. I feel like Atlanta is always struggling there. Even the season, Vic Beasley led the league in sacks, which are all against backup offensive linemen. By the way, I hate mentioning that, but you have to. Um, I think the Falcons address that need. Look, so I got two different takes on how the Falcons address this need. The first one is I'm a hopeful Falcons fan, sit there with my fingers crossed, you know, saying my prayers over and over and over again throughout the draft. And Ed Oliver or Montez Sweat or somebody like that falls to us. But I think the realistic pick with us keeping our pick there at uh, 14 is – us getting Brian Burns defensive end from Florida State, which I'd be perfectly fine from as a Florida State fan. I mean, he was, I mean, not just as a Florida State fan, as a Falcons fan too. I feel like he was the real bright spot on our defense last year that didn't have a whole lot. He can get after the quarterback very fast off the edge and play great in our in the Falcons defensive system. But as a hopeful Falcons fan, I think that, look, our GM and coach and Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov are ultimately tied to each other. So things don't work out this season. The Falcons have already said both guys are out of here i think they're gonna like the argument kind of with the rockets and or with the uh timberwolves not trading the rockets for all those draft picks for jimmy butler what's the point in doing that if you're the gm you're not going to be there to use any of those guys to your advantage so there's no point so i think it's the exact same thing with dimitrov here trade some of your picks trade up in the first round go get a guy like montez sweat go get that big time pass rusher off the edge and put him in this system i mean even shoot if we could trade up and get quentin williams something like that i think that's what the falcons need to do we didn't use any money in the offseason why not go out here get one of these young defensive studs and bolster our defense i think that's the best move here for the falcons and i mean you guys should be happy that you have a first round pick because we do not however i do like that we have a Maury cooper out of that first round pick that i mean i don't think anybody in the first round would make an impact as far as the offensive side of the ball goes which we no would shot. need the most help and i don't think anybody would give them that you know it I hate that the Cowboys gave up their first round pick, but our offensive our offense needed that boost, obviously, in terms of you know getting Amari Cooper that helps us a lot, and I think that of all drafts for them not to have a first round pick, I'm glad that it was this one uh, because that offensive uh, you know that offensive help out of that first round is not is not there this year, and I think that. Is a nice way to segue into this last question for the NFL draft that we have. And that is what position do you think is the deepest and the weakest? I think that the weakest, pretty obvious that that's the running back position for me. Uh, I think that there are some sleeper picks for sure. But this is the first year in a long time that we haven't seen at least, you know, a couple running backs that have a good chance at going in that first round. And I think that. Although we do have, you know, Jacobs and some other running backs that, you know, might have some sleeper appeal. And I think that they might actually end up having successful careers. I think that that's the weakest one because on other positions, I mean, it's pretty stacked. Even yeah, no, I agree with you there. 
I know. I agree. With you. I think quarterback, in my opinion, is the weakest position in the draft. I think Kyler Murray is really the only pro quarterback out of this draft that will make it to the Pro Bowl. I mean, who knows? There might be that sleeper quarterback. Just don't really see it. I'm very unimpressed with most of these guys in this, in this draft as quarterbacks. I think that Dwayne Haskins will just be a very average quarterback, maybe make a Pro Bowl on his best year, you know. But I actually think the deepest position in here is pass rusher. I mean, like yes. we've been talking about this 100%. whole show, it's absolutely stacked. I mean, you can get D tackles like Ed Oliver and Quinn and Williams, you're going to sack the quarterback. You can get guys like Bosa. You can get Josh Allen. I mean, you can get Sweat. It's just there's just so many good pass rushers in this draft. Not only are there so, not well, all I was going to say is not only is there so many good pass rushers, there are pass rushers that can legitimately make a huge impact out of the gate, and it goes all the Mm -hmm. way down to the bottom of the first round, even, even maybe past that. Yeah, no, there's like there's like Khalil Mack esque pass. Like there's pass rushers I think they can be that good. Like even there's yeah, like you said, there's guys that are gonna be in the second round that are gonna be on the board who I still think can be just stud all pro pass rushers, you know? And it 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 goes to show you that this is a definite one hundred percent defensive draft. And there's a lot of cornerbacks out there, even there's a lot of uh linebackers that can make a difference. I mean, there's all there's defense all across the board, defensive tackles, defensive ends, edge rushers, literally everything you can think of. I mean, Jonathan Abram as a safety will be all right at the bottom of that first round. You got quarterback or cornerbacks all throughout it. And I mean, to here's my thing. A lot of these mock drafts are putting Dexter Lawrence from Clemson at the bottom of the first round. For him to be at the bottom of the first round should tell you exactly how deep this draft Mm -hmm. is defensively. Because in other drafts, he wouldn't get out of the top 15. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I mean, Dex, that's just ridiculous. So, yeah, and even the fact that Ed Oliver may not even go in the top five, you know, like that's just so crazy to even think that. And Ed Oliver is like the next Aaron Donald-esque player, I think, personally. So, yeah, this is so stacked up on the defensive end. I think there's so many good defensive players to have. I mean, like there's so many franchise-changing players. Ultimately, though, it's going to be fun to see what happens in this draft. I think there's going to be a good bit of trading in the top ten, like what we've been saying. I think there will be a good bit of trading here in the top ten. You know, I think somebody, I think there will be one or two teams that will trade up to get these quarterbacks. You know, I think after the team's – get these defensive players they really want the teams are going to trade in here and get these quarterbacks yeah and um, I think that the quarterbacks are you know very few so i think that the fact that this is a deep draft defensively i think it you know will probably cause a lot of uh trades up into that uh position to get a yeah. quarterback i guess yeah, absolutely. All right, so how long have we been going for, Brad? I know it's been probably about Actually, it hasn't been that long. It's uh, 51 minutes. That's way – that's 10 minutes less than what we had last week, So I mean, or last episode, so – yeah, better. I say we go ahead and, and end things here. I mean, I've said I've said my piece. Oh, oh, wait, first we forgot we forgot LeBron James and Zion. There we go. We mentioned him again in this po- in the podcast. Still, you know, yet you can't have Tiger sports talk if you don't talk about LeBron. You guys with one headline to kind of sit on. Luke Walton is being sued for sexual assault for an incident that happened in May 2017. So we'll leave you guys with that one. Tiger is back. Peace. Peace. See y'all next week.